Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Women Solving Crime. My name's Katie Wilkins and I'm an author and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. And writer-comedian Taylor Glenn. Hello. This is where Brandy meets bludgeoning, Mimosa meets misdemeanour and Port meets prostitution. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime. I know my infectious diseases, guys. <laughs> no one wants to shit in a Tupperware. No, I mean, which man was that credited to? Just so I can. Oh, you know, right? <laughs> All his family are dead, but this is delicious. But I can show my life. Kill a poop, I don't need. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. Welcome to another remote recorded episode of Drunk Women Solving Crime. We whoop. are joint. Yeah, yes, whoop. Yes. Enthusiasm. <laughs> this is your whoop time. Remote oh. enthusiasm. <laughs> we are joined this week by the fantastic improviser, writer, and comedian. It's Pippa Evans. Yeah, for me. Yeah. That's the sad thing about remote, isn't it? You have to applaud yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've done any remote yeah. gigs, but you have to keep going. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. so uh, <laughs> it's like it's like being back at like an open comedy night where like your laughter makes such a difference. <laughs> you really have to help the atmosphere. <laughs> okay, we have one question, Pippa. 
have you ever been victim of a crime? I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Mm. And two things come to mind. Um, one was an almost crime, which was Ooh. I went to university in Birmingham. Yeah. That wasn't the crime. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, and uh, I lived in an area called Selioke. And the bit we lived in was a bit sketchy. But the bonus of it was it had a cash machine and there wasn't a cash machine anywhere. Oh, uh, that's a big bit. deal. So yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. So Did it we, dispense we got five to... pound notes? Because that's the Yes, biggest. it yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. That's oh. your friendly cash machine. They were a great time. Oh. And um, do they actually do that now at all? I've that, never I seen, seen that one. I have tried. Time. I've tried. <laughs> You've tried. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> Will you dispense £2.50? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, anyway, and I was, so I was like, oh, I've got to go get some cash. And it was it was sort of, I don't know, six o'clock, sort of, you know, getting dark time. And so I went to the cash point and um, as I put my numbers in, a leather gloved hand went over my mouth. No! And I screamed. Wow. Screamed. And I raised my elbow <gasps> and went to completely whack this person. Brilliant. And, I, and then all I heard was, no, no, sorry, Pippa. It was a joke. Sorry, it was a really bad oh, joke. No. Uh, and it was my friend Dan who had recently bought a pair of leather gloves <gasps> and he was walking along wearing them and thought, Jesus. I look like a mugger and then saw me and thought I know what will be funny wow uh, wow it's his nickname douchebag Dan <laughs> douchebag Dan it is now yeah. it is now Taylor I mean um, I, I love the innocence of a man who thinks a woman <laughs> would well, just love find that to funny. have a stranger's gloved hand on their that, face that's not a, a plausible ending for you <laughs> And then I was like, but what was amazing about it was because it was it was like a role play moment of because um, I went to a I went to a girls' school in the nineties. So I don't know if any of you did, but um, they did. were obsessed with us getting attacked. They were constantly giving us like really, <laughs> yeah. We had so many assemblies where oh um, wow, one, our teacher Miss Ashley, who had this incredible bouffant of, mm. of, of of red hair, would tell you know those stories like a lady's in a car park and then the guy gets in the car and and then she managed to get him out of the car and then he, she opens his briefcase that he's left inside and all that's inside is a rope and a knife you know that oh, yes, wow she, she like, told you like sleepover ghost stories <laughs> yeah yeah i heard but that she it told was like porn if... and the knife like i've heard that exact story oh, but oh, exactly yeah. where you are in the country just depends what just depends yeah. well yeah. this was w5 london <laughs> we went for a rope and a knife and <laughs> but she would tell them like they happened to her friend so yeah. she wouldn't oh say like i heard a story she'd say my friend told me so all of these girls are like Wah! and then they gave her self-defense lessons as well so it was like you are constantly going to be attacked by yeah. men at constant vigilance <laughs> yes because so so but obviously i'd learned something so i like i literally was about to smash That's him up so and gave, cool gave, yeah, it gave me a huge amount of confidence that my reaction is definitely fight. That's uh, to the yeah, that yes. well, a that's good to know, and b that guy deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead now. <laughs> He never recovered. Not really. <laughs> Actually, he was on one of your episodes. He was one of the stories. So, um, that was my almost crime. Wow. And then the real crime that's really, I mean, this might blow your mind. But, um, my So my husband is on the uh, Residents Association uh, because I am very attracted to powerful men. And, um, he, there's lots of lovely ladies on this Residents Association. And so they gave him this beautiful tin for Christmas. It was like a shortbread tin, um, okay. but it was like a carousel. And when you wound it up, it went round and it and it went ding a ding ding But did it have shortbread in it? And it did. Okay, okay, to mention that bit. <laughs> but the point being that once the shortbread's gone, the tin is beautiful. Right. So I had the tin on the side. And then one day I noticed the tin had gone missing. And I said, Callum, where is 
the beautiful shortbread tin. Mm. And he said, I threw it away. Oh, wow. He does not respect the residents. A, no respect for the ladies of the, because <laughs> if they found out. But two, imagine. Imagine throwing away a beautiful tin yeah. like with no respect for it. Not, didn't even take it to a chance. Without shop. even Someone asking else could appreciate you that as well. Without asking me. And I had made it very clear how much I loved that tin. Wow. Even though it played like jingle bells or something, I would still wind it up. <laughs> Genuinely had all the... So he was fully aware of its functionality. Had enjoyed it. Oh, oh. It was literally, it had, a, it had a special place on a windowsill. <laughs> so it was really, it was very much a feature piece of the yeah, room. Yeah, a feature too. <laughs> yeah. It was the feature shortbread tin. <laughs> and yeah, and he threw it away. Oh. I'll be honest, we haven't talked about it since. Wow. <laughs> You're keeping is, it up your sleeves, you can throw it in his face when you need exactly, to. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm When I need to. I'm genuinely. <laughs> burn something. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious, I mean this, were you seriously angry with him because I'm just putting myself in your shoes and when you've been with somebody a while it's weird how the rage comes up like genuine rage and I (laughs) think I would have been genuinely very angry about that choice yeah we've only ever had two major arguments and one of them was about the tsunami (laughs) and the other was about this tin (laughs) wait so you were pro tsunami and he was like what's the we had a discussion that got heated about the com- the comparison of people suffering in the tsunami and people who's had their houses flooded in the north. Okay, um, and um, about when people lose their things, <laughs> that it's it's horrific. Yes, uh, it doesn't. It, we, there's a greater tragedy. Did he of say it wasn't horrific because he doesn't it, care about tins? Because he doesn't. Because he doesn't care about people from the north. That's his problem. <laughs> Uh, so that was the, one of the most amazing heated arguments. You know, when you're in the middle of an argument going, I don't even know why we're arguing about yeah, this. Yeah. Badly. I, but, uh, yeah, I, so I have that, but like, like lots more than just twice. <laughs> <laughs> we did one today, like, um, Toby had like a self tape to do and it was like a couple arguing. And so I had to read in as the other couple. We had to do it in American accents. And I was like, oh, this is so hot. It was amazing. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, you never listen to me. You just don't care anymore. And I was oh, my God, because we never argue. So it's kind of like, I think we might argue more because it was you got, really you nice. Says, yeah. That's adorable. I love that the accents added to it. Made it a <laughs> role play. You don't have to tell us how happy the ending of that was, but we can read it. Well, if he gets it. the part, it would be great because he'd work yeah. this year. So. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was at an improv that is hard. conference. Over the weekend, and a lady told us that she has arguments in gibberish. Do you know the exercise gibberish where you just talk in a, yeah. talk in a fake yeah. language? She said because her, her husband realized that they, exactly as you say, Hannah, enjoyed the process of arguing, wow. but then sometimes regretted things that came out of their mouth. <laughs> that if they were having an argument they and safe. they thought they might be about to say something terrible, they'd just go, Oh, I just feel like that's a can of worms waiting to happen because they're going to oh. be like, I know what you meant and you can't take that <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> I would. Or even if you, yeah. you knew what you were going to say, so you, you know what you were saying, uh, and then you start to think you said it. So then, yeah. Yeah, then in two years' time, you go, I told you, I told you, I was really angry about that. And you'd be like, yeah. oh, I didn't. You'd be like, I did, I did that day. I said, <laughs> 
Katie, I would do the same thing. I'm picturing it because I'm like, this is a great idea for us. And then I realized I'd be like, don't talk about my mother. I yeah, know what you said. Yeah. Like, I totally you crossed the line with that flip, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. That's very creative. Yeah. Conflicting. That's a fun yeah. idea. I work out if I'm just dysfunctional enough or too dysfunctional for that to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Try it with a friend first. I'll do it with you. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that later. We'll, we'll totally do it. Someone you trust, Katie. <laughs> yeah, someone I trust. Yeah, not my partner. <laughs> someone you can see yourself being with for the rest of your life. Katie. Let's just start there. But you know, two friends, especially two girlfriends, it would sound like. It's just not the same. Unless those two friends have had six bottles of wine each, they're just going to be too nice to each other. Anyway, so maybe it's a six bottle of wine activity. Maybe. Maybe we should do it at the end of the episode. Let's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's all Let's. The, the gloves are off. At my school, girls would speak in gibberish and they would be like, it would go like, of a gee, of a gar, of a gom, of a gom, of a gov, of a gov, or something like that. Does that ring any bells with anyone? Because I feel like it might have just been on the Isle of Wight. I feel like I've heard someone say it. <laughs> sounds like an Isle of Wight thing to me. <laughs> you know what? Sounds like, a, sounds like a tier one thing. <laughs> I know that won't be topical when this goes out, but it could in. still be topical depending yeah. on how much it <laughs> it's Christmas fucks Maybe it'll come back. Maybe, like, <laughs> Maybe the comedy gods are on my side. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed for no vaccine, so that still works. <laughs> oh my god! First of all, you solved the first crime. Second of all, you're keeping the second crime up your sleeve for when you need to win the next argument. That is solved. Mm. We ask our guests what you would say to the perp if you had them now, they're in custody, they can't do anything. But the first perp, you presumably already said that to. And the second perp is your husband, (laughs) who you don't want to talk about it with. So, I mean, I pretty much said it as well. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's a crime where I didn't say. I'm quite good at saying things. Yeah, no, that's That's good. good. That's a very Zen thing to do as well, isn't it? Because you read all those articles, like what you would do if someone's hurt you, that the way you should say things like, Hannah, I really didn't appreciate the way that you spoke to me yesterday. Yeah. And all that kind of shit. Um, for example, my neighbours were having a, a singing show tunes at 4.30 in the morning. And Ooh. of all the people who would appreciate that, it's me. <laughs> I enjoy a show tune, but then it turned to Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. Oh, dear. Yeah. Unbreak yeah. my heart. Um, and uh, they were singing that. And it was 4.30 in the morning. And no. I was absolutely raging. And I've never been the person that goes and knocks on the door before, but I went and knocked on the door and went, some of us are trying to sleep, you know. Uh, and the lady was like, she want me to tell them to stop. And I went, yes, yes, I do. Because some of us are trying to sleep. It's terrible. Nice. And then she just went, okay, and shut the door. And it was like, off. And, oh, wow. Um, the power. And did they, they stopped? They stopped, but they don't speak to me anymore. We were, you know, as in, there's always that awkward, like, hello, in the corridor. I'm now the lady that shouts. Now it's time. I am now going to move on to the true crime section of the podcast. The year is 1907. In March 1907, a person is arrested. It takes five policemen and one doctor to do this. They manage to force the perp into an ambulance and off they go. So question, is the perp a man or a woman? I mean... It's 1907. Is it Dan's great-great-grandfather just playing a little joke? (laughs) (laughs) He had a new pair of gloves, did a little fake assault. I mean, it makes me think that I feel like it could be either. I don't see how the number of people affects the gender of the person. That's my immediate thought. Okay. I guess for me, it's like when you look in the olden timey days, like people have got taller, right? Because I think that women used to be 
quite a lot smaller. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like, it makes me think it's not going to be a woman because she wouldn't need five people. But I think now that you've asked this question, so I think actually it's false flag and it is a woman. Okay. And it's kind of crazy she needs five policemen. Yeah. But she might have had the, the training that Pippa had. She's got the elbow move. Yeah. Yeah. She's got it all. My lockdown guilty pleasure has been watching old episodes of Super Size versus Super Skinny. So it was just making me think of those horrible bits where they go to America and go, aren't people fat in America? Let's watch some of them being hoisted into an ambulance. (laughs) This is all for the good of the nation. We must watch this. Um, So uh, it's making me think it could just be a very large person. Okay. That doesn't answer the question. No. So so you're you're going gender neutral. (laughs) Hannah's going woman as because he thinks it's a mislead Taylor I'm going to say woman just because I want it to be because I think it'd be an interesting tale to find out who made her that angry that she was so full of adrenaline okay wow probably a husband that threw something away (laughs) (laughs) yeah she'll never get that tune back I'm more angry about that than Pippa is it's really gotten rise out of me anyway it's my stuff that's my stuff congratulations everybody it was a woman yay yay it took six people to arrest a woman now, this woman is called Mary Mallon, but you may know her by another name. So two questions. What famous nickname might you know her by and why is she being arrested? Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Okay. She was so contrary. Okay. Contrarism, Taylor. Yeah. Any advance? 1907. I imagine there's like some old time music halls or songs or something written about her. Okay. Like, <laughs> the only one that comes to mind is the man who robbed the bank in Monte Carlo. <laughs> so it's already <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Could be, uh, oh, Mary from the yard. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> little lady Mary's gone and bought an apple. Uh, I'm just trying to think of old time musical type names. Oh, my God. <laughs> the nightmare, they called Mary. No, um, the... What about, let's, let's go with the gardener's trouble and strife. Okay. <laughs> That's the, the only Mary that I know that is possibly around that time yeah. would be Typhoid Mary. Ding, ding, now. ding. Yes. Oh, wow. yes. I know my infectious diseases, guys. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes, this is a story of Typhoid Mary and she was arrested because she was a public health threat. Um, now, I thought this would be like, oh, what a fun case. Echoes of today. But honestly, I think on second thoughts, it may be just too soon. <laughs> <laughs> sort of be like haha quarantine let's find out yeah did she, did she refuse to wear a mask while she was in test not just that, that but that yes yes i mean this this is the see the parallels are just flowing out of this case did she go to a restaurant and pretend to be from the same household as <laughs> oh pippa's on board you are an asset to the force detective evans writes so she was arrested as a public health threat under sections 1169 and 1170 of the Greater New York Charter. The doctor that helped arrest her was famously Dr. Josephine Baker, who had also been one of the people that successfully tracked her. And according to one source in the ambulance, Dr. Josephine Baker had to actually sit on Mary to try and help restrain her because she did not want to be arrested. Oh, um, Mary. She's a suitcase. Oh, I love it when people Like a terribly, people. Be- terribly behaved suitcase. <laughs> Absolutely ridden with typhoid. <laughs> so this is obviously kind of a sad story, but it's true crime. I'm going to try and inject some levity, just early doors, to sort of deal with that. So um, it's good that we know it's coming. That helps. <clears throat> What's the deal with all the typhoid? <laughs> Anyone ever noticed how a lot of people have typhoid? What's up with that? Is it just me? What's okay? 
Anyway, typhoid is a big problem. <laughs> so we will now move on to finding out some background for the case files. So Mary Mallant was born in Ireland in 1869 and she migrated to the United States at the age of 15. Question, why did no one initially suspect her of having typhoid? Because of her lovely accent. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Lovely accent. You could get away with anything, that lady. <laughs> Such a lovely way. She spoke like Ted from Line of Duty. <laughs> Just so charming. Did she have an ample bosom to add to that? <laughs> That'd be lovely. Long, wavy hair. Oh, God. She's an absolute princess. I love her. She was always churning butter wherever she went. <laughs> Taylor, any thoughts on? Well, I actually don't know much about typhoid in terms of how it. <laughs> Honestly, Taylor, we all know about typhoid. <laughs> no. we so learned it at school. What I was going to guess is, did they screen them for it upon immigration, and maybe they didn't realize that? I don't know. They thought you that the what? U.S. was free of typhoid because we're arrogant fuckers. That is such <laughs> a great guess. It's not correct, but it throws up a lot that I enjoy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't but run wait, a pub but... quiz, Katie, because <laughs> no one will win. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Taylor asks a good question, which is, what are the symptoms of typhoid? The answer is she had no symptoms. Wow. So okay. she was she was famously the first asymptomatic carrier of oh, typhoid. Oh, shit. Of and they, they now think that she was born with it because her mother was infected during pregnancy, but she was the first person in the United States identified as an asymmetric carrier. Oh, that's asymmetric. wild. <laughs> Asymmetric, asymptomatic. Those two boobs were exactly the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that um, is interesting, isn't it? Compared to COVID, that that's the same. That and that, but we don't know that yet, do we? Whether it, if someone has yeah. it when they're pregnant, if it there could be might. carriers. So she's moved to the US. She's living her best life. She lived with her aunt and uncle. She worked as a maid, and she eventually became a cook for affluent families. From 1900 to 1907, she worked as a cook in New York City for eight families. Question, how many of the eight families contracted typhoid? Was it eight? Okay, we've got eight from Hannah. Any difference from I'm going to say four so that it, because then they weren't quite sure whether it was her or okay. not. So I'm going to just go down the middle. Okay. Taylor? Oh, that's a smart guess because otherwise it's what, what connects these dots and it feels like... Even back then, they would have had some logic. I'm going to say five five of the families. Okay. The correct answer is seven. So I'm going to give that to Hannah. It's all very much. (laughs) What's the prize at the end? Smugness. We stuck in gibberish. (laughs) A churned of butter. A little butter churn. So now, I don't know if you know much about the symptoms of typhoid, but it's fevers, diarrhea, sometimes death, there's a cough. Sometimes death, there's a cough. <laughs> sometimes. It's miserable. Is that how it was written in the leaflet? That's, that was literally what my source... Yeah, no. Occasional I'm just, I'm, death. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to give you a leaflet about typhoid. <laughs> sometimes it harm you. Sometimes death. <laughs> <laughs> Out of these seven houses, there was one where the laundress died. The laundress was often the first person to catch it from Mary. And also the servants often had their own accommodation together. So they would often get it worse. But not always. There were posh people dying as well. So Mary would basically work a house and everyone would get sick. And then she'd just leave and go on to the next job. Which meant Katie, that she was... I just yeah. have a question while we're talking yeah. about all of it spreading around. Yeah. It's viral then. It's a virus. Uh, or is it bacterial? It is bacterial, and I have a little bit of information about that coming up. Do you know what? I'm going to flag it up and then have you boo when it comes up. 
I had a joke about something going viral, but it's not viral. It's a bacterium. Anyway, so. You've got to sell these jokes. I, You've got to sell them. Guys, I don't, why don't I do stand-up anymore? I'm so good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bacterium. Uh, okay. Which I'm means sorry, I, t- I wrecked your flow. It's just my curiosity you know got what? like... You've probably saved us all time. So she was spreading this around, but she was also, in doing this, taking it to places where typhoid was either unusual or Ooh. this would be the first case in a long time, uh-huh. which yeah. obviously helped with the tracking. So eventually there's an investigator to try and get to bother more of it. We've got this guy, George Soper, and he's like worked out that typhoid loves unsanitary environments. And eventually this Irish cook fits the description and links all of these cases, but he still can't locate her. And Dr. Josephine Baker is like massively in the back, like helping. She basically did this, but his name is on the project. But then like, we know it was her. Classic. Am I right? (laughs) Question, why, even though he kind of worked out who it probably was, why was he unable to locate her? Um, Was she there illegally or something? It says she arrived there. So So she migrated legally. Did she give different names? at different houses because people might get jealous about you know sometimes people get used to get jealous if they had the same cook hold that thought because that will become more pertinent later but very close taylor i never heard that that's fascinating there's a wonderful museum in new york that i feel like i've plugged before called the tenement museum which is on the lower east side and it's this preserved tenement housing was basically lots and lots of families packed in together but you certainly got the sense that you were not officially registered and it wasn't like, here's my utility bill to show my whatever. <laughs> so I just picture her sort of lost in this the immigrant it's, neighborhood where it's like, how yeah. are you going to track anybody down? Yes. It's, and people I will cover for her like they covered for each other. They're not going like, to yeah, give up yeah. like Mary's that way. <laughs> I love the idea that she changes her name and she's like, I think I might drop the typhoid bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just go by Mary now. I don't think it's doing good for my business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really wreaking havoc. Um, no, yeah, it was very much a cash in hand economy. And basically, you've all kind of hit the right area. She would leave after an outbreak began, but without giving a forwarding address. So, yeah. Like me and my, me and my student loan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll never find you. So was she aware then that she yeah, was doing Yeah, that's it? an so, important detail. I that's mean, a very different thing, isn't it? This is a good question um, because we'll get to this later, but she apparently did not believe that she had it. She's leaving these jobs because everyone's got sick, so she must know that looks bad. But also, would you leave a forwarding address at all in those days, whoever you are? Because yeah. you might just be like, actually... The only thing that would follow me would be shit, possibly. You're not going to yeah. see your fucking Christmas card, are they? So, right, yeah. You know, actually, if I was her, even if I wasn't giving people typhoid, I'd be a bit like, well... You don't know. need to know. Yeah, yeah, this is my business. Maybe she did know, like, subconsciously. Maybe she didn't want to admit right. it, but she knew, in a sense. At, at that time, you know, there would have been no security, so... Um, if you couldn't do your job, you're out. Yeah. So, so you can imagine as well. You might make that choice in a just to survive. Yeah, yeah. It's it's difficult to know whether that would be the norm or not. Actually, so he can't find her. He knows who she probably is, and then he gets a bit of luck. There's a new outbreak, but it's not lucky for the people. So at Park Avenue, where Malin was the cook, two of the household servants were hospitalised, and the daughter of the family died of typhoid. So they go there and they confront Mary. Question: Does Mary cooperate? I mean, from the fact that she wouldn't get in, a took five policemen and a doctor to get her into a whatever it was, then um, I'm assuming no. Correct. <laughs> Good instincts, <laughs> Detective Evans. Thank you. <laughs> there was a couple of occasions because they kind of 
there was one confrontation, then there was another confrontation. They were trying to be like, look, we only want stool samples, but she was having none of it. Um, <laughs> no one's into stool samples. Like, even if you're the most cooperative yeah. patient, no one wants to shit in a Tupperware. No, I mean, <laughs> we just want your shit. Come with us. And they wouldn't have even had Tupperware at that time. So what were they asking her to shit into? Good question. A wooden bowl? A paper bag? Yeah. Glass. What would it a pudding basin? Yeah. <laughs> Her own hands. I tell you what, whatever it was, they should make those things opaque and they still don't because I've had yeah. to get a stool sample for my kid and I don't know why they do it in clear, like make it opaque. Yeah. Because I've had to hand then, in multiple bags to the receptionist and it's not great yes. for either of us. I'm like, <laughs> here we you are. can look in it and have a look like it. So even if you're a curious parent... <laughs> It's not. It doesn't have to be transparent for you to have a look. That's it. But you don't want to. You don't be walking around with a Yeah, and in fact, bump into a friend. In fact, I <laughs> scraped it. I scraped it into the thing myself, so I don't need a reminder of where it wound up. I'm confident that it made it into the vial. Yeah. and was then sealed and then put in a clear plastic bag as well. Sorry, this literally happened today. This is why I'm renting because I had to take my kid to the doctor. <laughs> for blood tests because they're ruling some stuff out and he's like why don't we do a stool sample and it's just like fuck again. <laughs> and then you have to time it and then every five minutes you're like do you need a poo maybe a poo does a poo sound good and it just becomes this <laughs> she's gonna need God. therapy if she was my boyfriend she would just announce every time she goes to the toilet I don't know whether yours do that but like, literally. <laughs> did he never go over the bit where you get a round of applause from your mum <laughs> There's something you need to know about me, Hannah, before I move in. <laughs> I'm very proud. <laughs> also, like, I don't know whether, because this is like, I had to give a stool sample maybe like last year. And um, it had like, in the bit that you tie on the top, in the lid, it had like a little shovel attached to it. Like it was like a little dip dab. That's, That's right. Yeah. That seems mad. Well, no, because it either shoves it down a bit more so you don't clog up the top. And also then it provides a small, my mother worked in shit. So <laughs> hang I on. know quite a lot about it. Yeah. Wait, hang on. How did you get it in there if you didn't use the little shovel? Just shoved it down with a finger, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> okay. I did, I that's what the shovel's was... for, so you don't have to touch your shit or try to shit into something the size of your pinky, Hannah. What did you Wait, do? What? No, but I figured that the shovel... I, my point is that the shovel, like, it's literally like, made to look like a shovel. And I found it like, was reminiscent oh. of days at the beach. And I was like, oh, that's lovely. I wasn't sort of questioning why it was there. Well, I still always do. Well, no, because then it's a visual reminder as well, isn't it? So if you if you're one of those people who doesn't read the lay the piece, the ridiculously long piece of paper, yeah. that that yeah. hope is your eyes will see a small shovel and go. <laughs> I suppose yeah. I'm supposed to no, shovel back my back shit of in a here. Teaspoon. That's what I. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> I mean, I would be happy to discuss the logistics of shoveling oh. shit all day long, <laughs> but we should move on. It was a worthwhile um, segue, though. You can't you can't take that yeah, away. I think I think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> So she doesn't want them to take stool samples. She threatens them with a carving fork. Things oh, escalate. Fork. A carving fork? <laughs> oh, that's the bit you used to hold. The yeah, beef, yeah. She didn't. Like, obviously, she was closer a... to the fork than the knife. I don't know. <laughs> she wasn't a great cook. She threw... yeah. <laughs> Why is this meat always in tiny bits? Why is it always pulled pork? In the sitcom, they'd both be in front of her and she'd grab the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> On the second time, like they didn't get her that day and then they're like she's got this boyfriend and then they're like find him and then they find her again and then the second time it escalates and they finally arrest her as described at the start of this she doesn't come quietly they bundle her in 
So she's officially a public health threat and they take her to Willard Parker Hospital. She's restrained and forced to give samples. For four days, she wasn't allowed to get up and use the bathroom on her own. Oof. Yeah. They found loads of typhoid bacteria in her stool samples, which they thought indicated the infection center was her gallbladder. They changed their minds about that a little bit, but then they were back on gallbladder. Mm. Um, They also asked her lots of questions about her practice as a cook. Question... How often did Mary wash her hands? Taylor's shaking never. her head. So we've got never, n- ever. Never from Pippa. Taylor's shaking her head with a disgusted well, face. The only thing I know about this case, other than just by name, is they dramatized it in a show called The Nick, Ooh. which was about a fictional hospital at the turn okay. of the century in New York. It was a great series. Clive Owen. Ooh, tasty, even though he's addicted to heroin. He's adorable. Um, and they fictionalized. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> no one's perfect. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> So yeah, they made the point, they kept showing her serve peach melba to these wealthy people and she just refused to wash her hands. And I didn't know how much they exaggerated that. Like she was almost willfully stubborn about hygiene. Like that doesn't apply to me, but that might've just been the storyline. Yeah. So like basically that is spot on. She did she... not use a shovel. We'll put it that way. <laughs> when she was supposed well, to shovel. Drunk women solving crime. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The thing is, she, she admitted that she almost never washed her hands, wow. but this was not unusual for the time. The germ theory of disease was not fully accepted. And this is when you've got Dr. Josephine Baker. Dr. Josephine Baker in the background, completely revolutionizing like infant mortality. She's famous for this case, but she's famous for like all this other stuff. She was one of the first people to go like, hey, we can prevent diseases from happening in the first place if like people aren't living in squalor and everyone has clean water. And the infant mortality in New York under her went from like super high to like super low. She like did all this great stuff. Wow. Um, But at this point, that's not been fully accepted. So she's there fixing everything. That's but amazing. And yet. which which man was that credited to? Just so I can do some research. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Muscle. <laughs> uh, randomly, I was at a Zoom cheese tasting the other day. Oh, and, wow. Uh, You're yeah, right. cool. They just posted they you the cheese. cheese. They post your cheese, then you eat it, and they tell you things about it. Oh, That's my really God. Good. I um, love this. Dairy if you're was it fun? And it was really fun. And this guy, Andy, who's the cheese man, just like knows everything about cheese. Wow. You know, and you're like, there's a man in a fleece with a bald patch <laughs> talking about cheese. And you're like, I don't know why I'm so attracted to this <laughs> delicious man. It's a man in power of cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like an hour long TED talk about cheese. It was really great. But he was talking about bacteria. Every farm made their own cheese. Yeah. A lot of the bacteria was from hands and stuff and that made actually unique cultures and stuff wow so so actually bacteria served a real purpose in feeding people 
So yeah. bacteria was a very positive thing. Yeah. And they called it they called it the germs. Like he's got his notes from his grandmother's wow. cheese making. And it says like, make sure there's plenty of germs, uh, <gasps> which is amazing, isn't it? That like, is which amazing. Is right. Make sure you've filled it with germs. Otherwise it won't, it won't do anything. It won't set. The oh curds my will go. That's literally yeah. though the difference like in 1907 between being poor and there being germs and being rich and there being germs. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, no, germs wonderful for cheese. It's, like, it's <laughs> killing everyone. It's killing the babies. Like, yeah. I can taste the farm workers here. <laughs> well, his family are dead, but this is delicious. <laughs> Delosh. And actually, that sounds amazing, Pippa, and I'm definitely going to look it up. Yeah, yes. Everyone listening to this is going to Google cheese tasting. That's amazing. I would, I could do that for hours. Normally, it's just me stood in front of my cheese eating Lyrdeema from the packet. Like, that's my cheese yeah. tasting. So I'm, I'm into getting a bit more... Branch out from Dairy Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know they well, can't see this, but Pippa and I both did a, like, scrunch the nose, like, that's adorable, but really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I know did that you have neither the dippers, of us, the dunkers. Neither of us meant to, but we both did it, so it says something. Wow, the sophisticates oh. are judging We're everybody. Sophisticated. Leah Gamma, <laughs> right hand huh? side of Zoom. It's very sophisticated. <laughs> I'm happy with a cheese string. <laughs> no, no one is happy with a cheese string. Even a child. Have you ever seen a child? I mean, probably your, your own children probably eat cheese strings, but they generally just look at, they, they're like doing it, but there's something in their eyes that says there's something wrong about it. <laughs> I haven't tried a cheese string yet. So. <laughs> I tried one because I, I, I do actually really like highly processed cheese, especially like, have you ever had cheese balls at Christmas? They're like wafers with that, that weird cheese tasting that tastes a bit like sick. Oh, Wait, yes. do you mean um, cheese balls as in the kind of crisps? Like they're called sorry they're orange. called cheese foot footballs I'm sorry and they're and solid they're cheese it's like well we wouldn't call it cheese you know those tuck sandwiches yes tuck yes. sandwich biscuits yeah. it's like the stuff in the middle of that and it's like a really that weird thick. salty oh sick. like yeah. the stuff you would yeah. get in a tube that you would like squeezy cheese think think that and then think it's slightly dehydrated and sat on a shelf for six months oh Pippa the uh, Christmases okay. and we that's could what have you together like. oh. <laughs> Taylor come over we had something called the easy cheese in the states which comes out oh, like yeah. whipped cream yeah oh. I forget my point <laughs> anyway enjoy <laughs> this is nice like this is making me just feel happy that there's so many different cheeses and the world can cooperate about cheese well, we've come a long way <laughs> it's germ theory right there's good germs there's bad germs and it took yeah. a long time even now we're just learning like the gut biome determines our mental health our physical health like yeah. we're still learning about germs we don't get them yeah this is very true so on back the, to the murder <laughs> yeah back back to tons of accidental murders on march 19th 1907 mary mallon gets sentenced question what is her sentence so, well, she, so this is an interesting question isn't it because when does it become a murder? Because it becomes a murder when you're conscious of what you're doing, right? So. Yeah, well, so she actually hasn't been accused of murder, although people have died. She's been, she's, her crime is being a public health risk. Okay, wow. <laughs> That's such a horrible crime to be accused of. I know, because how can you ever just prove it? You're a public health risk? We're going to just, like, lock you up. Because <gasps> I know, well. like, we've all been drunk and disorderly. I mean, where's the line? <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what, what i really noticed in lockdown was the lack of vomit in london and, uh, yeah. and there was a moment just after we came out of lockdown and it actually was just before lockdown was about to go and i started to notice the vomit yeah. reappearing and i was like oh we're going back in and just like the street smelling of piss or not smelling of piss yes. so many yes. so many things 
So many highlights for lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> At least the streets don't smell of piss. <laughs> yeah. One thing you're grateful for today. Remember to think of that. <laughs> so anyone want to guess her sentence or do you want me to just tell you? Do you know, can I guess? Because, well, I yeah. say guess. Can I remember? Because I've, yeah. I've sort of like heard some stuff about Typhoid Mary before. Okay. Are you going to go on to where she was sent? Are you just looking for a time frame? Because I um, think she... Like whatever you want to say. Well, I think she was, was she not sent to like this island, this penal island that's sort of off Manhattan that they used to put people Rikers. in as prison? Is that what it's called? Rikers um, Island. Rikers Island. Was it yeah. that? Uh, or Sing Sing. I was going to guess, does she go to Sing Sing? No, you know other... what? Like close enough. She is sent, she, her sentence is quarantine on North Brother Island. So yes, it must be one of those islands that you're talking about. I've never is heard that of that one. I've never heard of that It's one. called North, North Brother. Brother. Where do you summer? North Where Brother. North Brother. <laughs> I think I've got, it's... I've got prob- one house on the Hamptons and one on North Brother. I think so. <laughs> She's the water's there. a bit brackish, but it's delightful. <laughs> oh, Sometimes I see ghosts in the night, but I don't mind. Mm. More vicious <laughs> yeah. swells, anyone? Vicious swells? It's a cold Angry, suit, Katie. quarantined ghosts. So while quarantined, she gave stool and urine samples three times a week and authority suggested removing her gallbladder. Question, did she want her gallbladder removed? Oh, uh, God. No, no she did not. Surgery was horrific at that time. Absolutely. It, would have been like, it was horrific. Right onto this. Stick. People died and... She was like, no, because they were like, hey, it's the infection in your gallbladder. If we get rid of it, you won't have typhoid anymore. But she was like, no, because obviously, yes, people die. Um, well done, Mary. So she mm. wanted to get back to being a cook because it earned her the most money and it provided lodgings and she had a boyfriend and stuff. Um, but this enticing <laughs> <Enticing> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's obviously got some kind of immunity. I don't know. This sofa guy that helped track her down, he... Obviously, he gets a credit for finding her. He writes this, he publishes this article about her in the Journal of American Medical Association. And it's big. It's this huge deal. It goes, this was was the joke I was going to do. It goes as viral as typhoid, which actually is a bacterial infection. Doesn't work. I don't know why. I think. Do you want want to try, Kate? You're just reading it like you think it is the best joke, and then we'll laugh like it is. Shall I just try? Shall I try committing? Deliver okay. it with right. conviction just, just do it like, instead of self-hatred. <laughs> like James Corden. Imagine you're James Corden and deliver it how he would. <laughs> I'm going to give you a fact. A virus is a microorganism that is smaller than a bacterium that cannot grow or reproduce apart from a living cell. This article gets a lot of media attention. So Mary Mellon suddenly attracts all this extensive attention. And this is also when she first gets the nickname Typhoid Mary. And it kind of sticks later in a textbook that defined typhoid fever. She was again called Typhoid Mary. Question, did Mary Mallon like the nickname Typhoid Mary? That name sucks. Oh, she loved it. She was so popular. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Typhoid Mary. No, yeah, she fucking hated it. It's kind of like I hate Hepatitis Hannah. I hate that. (laughs) I know, right? Right. This is like the original, you know, like when the Daily Mail prints a horrific story about someone uh, and then it, and that's their truth for the rest of their life. Yeah. This is the original version of that, isn't it? Where they, they do a journal, they don't protect her in any way. They don't say, we have a patient. This yes. way. So it's really interesting because of this reason. So they go, there's this lady coming over, she made all the people sick and it's disgusting and she wouldn't let us cut her gallbladder out. And- yeah, yeah. It's like a character assassination almost. It's, it's like... Slander. 
Yes. No, totally. know, I've never felt sympathy for this idea of this person that I know very little about. It's always just been like, ew, she didn't wash her hands and she was willfully getting people sick and she was disgusted. You know, like that's sort of what you're yeah. taught. And I, ne- I never even humanized it. Like she was called Typhoid Mary. Like you can't apply for a job with that name. No. T Mary. <laughs> I love the thought that she did put her that name on any future job just because she was like, she was like, hey, my name now. You may have heard of me. Hi. Yes, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of using your Instagram name because you've got loads of like followers. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it'll like put me in good stead if I put Typhoid Mary. Yeah. The very same. I'll be telling my followers that you didn't give me this job. But then you can imagine that posh people, you know, they're so weird. You can imagine that posh people be like, we'll get typhoid Mary to cook. Will we die? Will we, won't we die? It'll be fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Russian cook roulette. roulette. Yeah. Fine dining. <laughs> Maybe they get her to just stick her finger in one cake. <laughs> so Mary hated this name so much that she even turned down a biography offer despite being out of work. Whereas Hannah's My Aww. Hepatitis Story will be out next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so sad though isn't it that she's got no work they've destroyed her name yeah and she's and she's still got enough dignity to say no don't yeah no she she really fucking hates like so this the guy this super guy that has written this thing he's the one that wants to do the biography and he comes to her in her quarantine and goes look i'll give you like loads of money let's do this together and she hates, she like literally, she angrily rejected his proposal and she locked herself in the bathroom until he left. Oh, like she was wow. properly having none of it. Well, and but you're right. Yeah, that is like, you know, she could easily have kind of gone full. Um, like I watched, I think, what was it called? It was called, uh, the thing about Dennis Nielsen, whereby he murdered a bunch of people and then immediately wanted, he got in contact with a biographer to say, oh, why don't you come and meet me in prison and write yeah. my biography? Oh. It's so fascinating because I'm such yeah. a fucking wow. killer. <laughs> And yeah, and it is actually, that does, particularly if she's out of work and she's mm. probably not going to be getting back into work anytime soon. That's actually, yeah, okay, okay. Hashtag Team Mary. Okay, Team Mary. <laughs> well, I think there's a question here of like, is this really a crime? Because you're building a picture of a woman who is, really didn't understand what was going on and why yeah. would she? No, why absolutely. would she have knowledge of germ theory? You know, if, if scientists yeah, are if still debating even, germ theory, look- why is she going to know? Like a conspiracy theory to her. So this yeah. this case is actually famous for its ethical conundrums. But she wrote to a lawyer about it. And there's a quote of her, this thing that she wrote to her lawyer saying, I wonder how the said Dr. William H. Park would like to be insulted and put in the journal and call him or his wife Typhoid William Park. <laughs> Which is a good one, but their name is name. so posh. It's kind of like, they're going to be fine. I know, you can't, you, hyphenate, you can't hyphenate typhoid your what? typhoid name. It doesn't no. work. <laughs> and also, if you're posh, typhoid just sounds like a first name, doesn't it? <laughs> It just sounds extra posh. Like he's already got his own <laughs> hospital. He's fine. So <laughs> I always thought uh, chlamydia would be a pretty name if it weren't what it was. There's a lot of words like that. Even vagina, like that would be a pretty like vagina. What's that Muppet song? Lydia, oh Lydia, oh, have you met Lydia? The I don't know that one. lady. But that whenever I someone says chlamydia, <laughs> I think that's what the song. I go chlamydia, chlamydia. Have you met chlamydia? <laughs> And so, yeah, you're right. It's got a very it's lyrical... Lovely. That's a lovely way to break to it to it. someone, it's isn't it? It's very melodic. Because you don't have to tell them. <laughs> Showing so. them your vagina going, chlamydia, chlamydia, have you met chlamydia? <laughs> 
Question. Did all medical experts support the decision to forcibly quarantine Mary Mallon? I'm going to say no. No from Pippa? Oh, I'm thinking about Witty here. I'm thinking about our guy or um, Fauci. I'm, th- I'm just impressed that I can remember any of the names of the scientists with the um, coronavirus stuff. They all seem pro-isolation stuff. It seems to be okay. something we're using at the moment. So I think maybe they all said... Maybe they- did just because of they didn't know what else to do and okay. had to do something. All so right. maybe they but were pro it. Yes, from Hannah. But, but at the set on this on with the same uh, logic, there's also lots of people that say lockdown's stupid. Yeah, it's very so, true. So I can mm-hmm. imagine some people would go, that's not the way to contain it. Sure. What about, to but if it's the science, it are they following I don't know. I think there's at least one this. rogue doctor who's like, Thou shalt not quarantine and he has a totally different idea. Uh, Taylor and Pippa are correct. There were some doctors that said that she shouldn't be forcibly quarantined. So hashtag not all medical experts. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? Because it's like it's all about your liberties and your sort of human rights and stuff. Yeah. But if it's happening to an entire country for the sake of everyone, then OK. But if it's just one person, that's when it feels like more. Well, this, away. this is it. This is a philosophical yeah. um, debate. And that's why your next question is. If it was up to you, would you forcibly quarantine her or let her out with strict instructions of how to behave? Give her a bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> that would solve at least 50% of the problem, which is she just didn't wash her hands. In the same way, so yeah. a lot of my friends, so you know how they have to wash their hands? We're like, we have to wash our hands, mm-hmm. but uh, my friends who are primary school teachers sp- have spent the first like term essentially just, went, who work with small, really small children, yeah. Yeah. just teaching them how to wash their hands yeah. and get in the queue and wash their hands. And another friend of mine who's got a very small son said... I'll be honest, it's really wonderful when I go to pick him up from school and there's not some suspect substance on his hand. They're like, oh, I didn't realise how much gunk I was getting on my hand. Oh, that's so funny. There is a huge upside, I mean, in terms of kids having clean hands now. I think it's sad that they used Happy Birthday as the song, though. Like, that's the length of the song. That's how long. It's just turned into such a maudlin song. No one was allowed to have a happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's the only song all of us know the words to. Like if you said, oh true, God. Do, do the national anthem, <laughs> with a national crisis. I mean, sure, but I we must all know Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. I mean, come on. That'd be bad luck though, right? If we did it in the oh, summer. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. God Would you? So <laughs> Pippa would let her out, but give her soap. Hannah and Taylor, would you keep her quarantined or let her out with soap and instructions of how to not spread it? Oh my God. There's no wrong answers. I just thought it'd be like... Yeah, I feel like, again, it, it, she was not willfully doing any of this. She's been shamed. Shame, yeah. shame, shame. Like maybe, yeah, give her the benefit of the doubt and tell her how to not spread it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Do you know what? I love answering a moral quandary whilst it's being recorded after a bottle of wine. So here goes. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is, I actually genuinely think I'd need to know more about it in the sense that yeah. I don't know enough about typhoid to know that, you know, if it does mean, if it's just right. her washing her hands and keeping cleanliness, then yeah, let her sort of live her life. Sure. I can't stop her. But if it is a case of if she breathes near you, you're going to get it, then you yeah. have to look at maybe something a little bit more... Okay. Uh, Hardcore, but, okay. but I don't know enough, is what I'm saying. No, that's absolutely cool. So she suffered a nervous breakdown oh. when she was transferred to this hospital, and she was trying to write to her lawyer to like get her out. She said she was being treated like a guinea pig. Oh, uh, she was God. obliged to give all these samples. She was. She said that she wasn't being provided adequate medical care. 
She had this like paralyzed eye that she was having to bandage and they were giving her oh. all these mad medicines like urotropine and then brewer's yeast, which was like really fucking up her kidneys. So she tried to sue the New York Health Department. She was not successful. But after two years of quarantine, her sample started coming back negative. And then there was like a new, I think it was a new New York State Commissioner and he decided that like disease carriers should no longer be kept in isolation. And so she could be freed if she agreed to stop working as a cook hmm. um, and take reasonable steps to avoid transmitting typhoid to others. So after two years and 11 months, she was let out. On February 19th, 1910, Mallon said that she was prepared to change her occupation of a cook and would give assurance by affidavit. On, upon her release, she would take hygienic precautions and would protect those with whom she came into contact from infection. Question, did Mary stick to this? Oh no, but, Mary. But, but it's so difficult, isn't it? Because again, we're in a time when there's no, like, so it's not like they said, it's, we will, here's, here's $10,000, yeah. go and retrain as a, well, uh-huh. yeah, it's quite totally a gig economy. lady. Yeah. Um, I can imagine she would go into like secret cooking and give herself a different name and wash her hands and hope. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, Pippa. Any advance on that, you guys? That's, I think after a while, yeah. it becomes a little bit like right now when I'm washing my hands, I'm like, happy birthday. There you go. Like, you yeah. know, after a while, you kind of become a little bit less. <laughs> um, so the answer is Mary did not stick to this, but she tried. She um, did. Okay. She started That's out okay. She, she got a job as a laundress, which paid less than cooking. So laundress paid $20 a month and a cook paid $50 a month. So she took Ooh. a massive pay cut trying to like do it right uh but at some point she wounded her arm and then the wound became infected which meant that she couldn't work at all for six months and then she just had this kind of slippery slope to try and claw back money so she started cooking again and she was using fake surnames which we touched on earlier i think pippa said about using different names i'm typhoid smith <laughs> well, she, oh no i forgot how to do it oh. <laughs> she she used surnames like fresh off or brown and um, obviously this was against the explicit instructions of the health authorities. But, but isn't this amazing, considering this is 1907 or 8, maybe now. Yeah, it's a now, bit later nine. now, but yeah, 1910. But, but this is the same problem people have when they come out of the prison system now. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. the same problem where they come out and they go, you mustn't sell drugs. Right. Well, here's a, a wonderful job where you get way um, less money. clean up other people's sick yeah. Um, yeah. and you get way less money. And then your friends are going... Why don't you just come back and do the job yeah. you did before? It's exactly the same problem. Yeah. And yet we, over a hundred years later, are still... No yeah. one has figured this out. I don't understand why people go back to committing crime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? The system is so rigged against everyone. And then we're like, why didn't they enjoy the rigged system? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's rigged for their benefit. <laughs> <laughs> She couldn't get hired for like affluent families anymore. So she had to move into the the mass sector. So she worked in a number of kitchens and restaurants, hotels, spas. Almost wherever she worked, there were outbreaks of typhoid. But she changed jobs frequently. Oh shit, so the fact that her samples were coming back negative was not a thing to show that she'd recovered. Yeah, it just was a coincidence or she was in some... I'm not quite sure what was going on. Because she was trying to send samples outside of quarantine to these... She had friends that she was sending samples to and they were going, oh, look, we've tested it and it's fine. And so she was was trying to get out the whole time. But even not that, her little scam, but even the samples in the actual place were also coming back negative. 
So it really did look like it was absolutely cruel to keep her there. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a change of administration and then they were like, oh, this is ridiculous. Just let her out, but say she can't be a cook. But then, as we have said, it's easier said than done when you're in a gig economy and whatever, Mm. you need the money. This inspector guy, the soper guy that wrote all this stuff about her, he's back on the case. And in 1915, she starts working for the Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City. Soon, 25 people were infected and two died. And then the head obstetrician asks this SOPA guy to come and help with the investigation. Without meeting Mary Mallon, how was SOPA able to identify that it was her? Can I just say in the sitcom version, they definitely like cross paths in the um, in the hospital. Like, Because if he's been asked to look into this again, <laughs> yeah, and then... He realizes that there's this woman called Mary Brown who's turned up as a nurse. Right. That's a proper kind of I quite I mean like it, the, the whole cat and mouse thing of Sopa and Typhoid Mary. Yeah. I think they're gonna fall in love, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How um, did he recognize her? Was her picture in the in the journal? Picture? Again, is it like a Daily Mail moment? Okay. Where, um, That's they a had good like an, awkward picture of her mm. going, with a cooking pot yeah yeah <laughs> for listeners at home that was a look of that, that was a good <laughs> comedy face um did so she got... have to wear a giant tea like the scarlet letter but and she kept forgetting like this goddamn tea okay on Ooh, her forehead tea yeah anything like a... to add hannah um I knew that I remember a thing that, about the Scarlet Letter that if that was a bloke, he'd be called the Scarlet Legend. But that's just a completely <laughs> different joke that my boyfriend wrote once and I thought it was hilarious. But there's never a chance to say it. So I was just like, I'm going to say it. It's his joke. It's Hannah, like, you're um, welcome. It's, nice. it's, it's very rare that that gets teed up, but there you go. I was just like, yeah, yeah. you set it up. Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Gosh. I think he probably had his suspicions as well, didn't he? He probably thought this. Yeah. So scary. he's looking for her. So how mm. does he, he doesn't meet her. How, how could he identify her? The one that's that not her. washing her hands. <laughs> he talks to the servants and it's their verbal descriptions and also her handwriting. He sees her handwriting. Oh. Oh, so okay. he knows it's her. So she flees. She knows he's on the case. She flees again. But this time the police were able to find and arrest her when she took food to a friend on Long Island. So she was returned to quarantine on North Brother Island on March 27th, 1915. Question, how long did she remain on North Brother Island for her second quarantine? And that's this is the big thing that you set up at the beginning. That's when it took six people to get her into the ambulance? No, sorry. The first time she got arrested was the six people. Right? So how long does she I, stay there? Yeah, how long was her second quarantine? I wonder if it was till she died. Okay, till she died, and how long might that be for Evans? She doesn't sound like a healthy lady, and I can't imagine that the prison service was great then. So uh, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go with 18 months. 18 months, okay. I agree that I think that she was probably there till she died, just in the sense that it is one thing not knowing that you're infecting people. Mm. And of course, I I do completely understand the thing about the gig economy and she's not going to make any money. And actually, Mm. it's kind of, in those days, what are you going to do? But I feel like they probably felt as though they couldn't trust her from there on. So yeah. I think they put her there for life. And I imagine it was really fucking mm-hmm. unpleasant. So, yeah, I'm going to go five years. Okay. Mm. Okay, well, Taylor. Not much hope, unfortunately. I think you got, these guys are just very negative. I think that she probably was in there for like six months and she reinvented herself. And she started like the first popular female-led talk show. It's called Tyfe. She was listening to Brené Brown. <laughs> yeah. She was making herself a better yes, person. Yes, yes. I just, yeah, I think she just 
became everything that she could have dreamed of. I can now tell you that she was in her second quarantine for 23 years. Oh, fuck. Wow. It was until... Oh my God, and we're complaining about four weeks. I know. Jesus. She was there until she died, so you were right about that. Um, The authorities gave her a private one-story cottage. As of 1918, she was allowed to take day trips to the mainland. And in 1925, a doctor, Alexandra Plavska, came to the island on an internship and she organized a laboratory on the second floor of the chapel and offered Madeline a job as a technician. So she washed bottles, did recordings, prepared glasses for pathologists. Um, and then, They were doing it. Nice. I'm glad she uh, was. In 1938, she died of pneumonia at age 69. So she was the first case of asymptomatic carrier of typhoid that was forcibly isolated. There were other people that had AS that weren't forcibly incarcerated. They started uncovering, you know, a few more in the 20th century, but I guess they weren't cooks or they were a bit cooperative or they were men or whatever. But so she was the only one that was forcibly isolated and the ethical and legal issues raised by her case are still discussed today. Wow. As proven by this podcast. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like we elevated the conversation in a lot yeah. of ways, in a way that it hasn't been. To Typhoid Mary. <laughs> Typhoid Mary. Guys. To Mary. Cheers. To TM. Yeah, to Mary. Let's give her her non-horrible nickname. Drunk women solving crime. So guys, it's time to do our Patreon shout outs. Why join Patreon? Because it provides a dedicated drunk women solving crime community. And trust me, by community, I mean, it's me. I'm lonely. I will reply to you. I'm posting a lot of extra stuff. But you get stuff like ad-free episodes, these wonderful shout outs I'm about to do. There's even extra content and uh, some free links to any of our live shows that we record, which we have one coming up soon. When does this come out? Has the show already After, happened? But it will be. It will be there, and it will be such a good show. How I great was that? I definitely didn't get so drunk. I was sick into my own hands. Yeah, and I was funny and not awkward. <laughs> it was great, but yeah. So you'll have a link to that. Let's do it. Thank you very much to our latest batch of patrons, Kate, Lindsay, Quasidano, Ronwin Vaudry, and Craig Dilke. I'm sure I nailed that. Um, Alice, a.k.a. Detective Sleepyhead. Very nice. John Stevenson, Larissa Begg, Martin McGovern, Alex Monk, Lynn McGarry, Jennifer Roberry, Go Canada. She didn't say that I did. I just really like Canada. Elisa Olivieri, Martha King, Lorraine McDonald, Sarah McDermott, Louise Ware, Elaine Keel, Genevieve R. Mysterious. I like it. Keep something to yourself, Genevieve and Lee Benta. Thank you very much, patrons. Yes. Thank you, lads and lavettes. <laughs> I know Taylor has a crime involving a turkey leg, or I've got a crime here about someone's will. What crime do you guys want to do? Oh, boy, we're going to have a choice. It's, yeah, you can either do recording on Thanksgiving, aren't we? Oh, we yes. haven't even mentioned Thanksgiving at all. I'm sorry. It's Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Taylor. Thank Happy you. Thanksgiving. Thank oh, you. It's like Taylor's birthday because she's the only American on the podcast. So. <laughs> well, it's been a sad one because normally I would go to my brother's house and he throws huge Thanksgiving feasts with like 30 people and like fake, like things that aren't even tables we're sat at, we eat <laughs> and talk and talk about what we're thankful for. So we really do a thing about it. So yeah, lockdown Thanksgiving's a bit, meh. but yeah. I thought, and I knew I was recording tonight. So I thought we'll celebrate on the weekend. I'll do myself a little Sainsbury's order. And because it's just the three of us, I'll just get three turkey legs because they're easy to cook. We all like dark meat. 
So the order arrives today. I was not present oh, no. to collect the delivery. My husband God. was. I know he was rushing because when I came home from picking my child up from school, every single thing was just out. It was just on the table. You know, oh, like the yeah. Zoom call was important. So everything was just stacked. Um, but he at least had put stuff in the fridge. There were only two turkey legs in the fridge. So I WhatsApped him like any wife during lockdown does. And I said, we're missing a turkey leg. And he just put a question mark. And so all we know, all we know is that he can't really remember. He's like, I'm sure there were just two from the beginning. Is it stuck in a bag? So I would like to know, was a crime committed? Do we think the Sainsbury's guy does medieval reenactments and he just spotted the opportunity? Or, yeah, I mean, they do look tasty well, when they're isolated. But Okay, I have a question about the turkey mm. legs. Were they okay. individually wrapped or were they Individually all wrapped. Individually wrapped, Okay. Yeah. Very easy to steal So they drop. could have fallen out. Also, I just love the idea that you've bought three turkey legs, like all of the same size, and one for your like seven-year-old daughter who's going to have this huge fucking turkey leg. And that's what makes me sad because I know that what will happen is that you'll just have to give her a bit of the turkey from your legs and she won't be able to hold it like she's in the medieval times. So yes. And that's also a very dangerous question, I'd say, Taylor, because at this time, Sainsbury's delivery people have a very high status. For you to go back to Sainsbury's and accuse a Sainsbury's delivery person of stealing a turkey leg yeah. is really putting yourself in the shit. <laughs> they're very high powered people. You'll never get a delivery slot again if you fuck. They will them. never, and, and they'll deliver it, and there'll be nothing in it. They'll just, they'll just come, and they'll be just, you know how. And then now they don't have bags, do they? Because because it's a plastic bag free. So they'll just be like, oh, it's just three empty crates. What are you going to do, mate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll stare you out. Yeah, like forget, now. forget Typhoid so Mary. Thinking, It'll be like spitting your parcels, Pete, at the door from Sainsbury's. You'll, you'll start being called Turkey Taylor. This is it. Yeah. And so that's... Oh, another delivery for Turkey Taylor, right? Eh? You know, oh. I sort of want to end as we began, which was, you know, angry at a partner. So I'd like to pin this one on my husband. I don't think I want to throw Sainsbury's under the bus. And I feel like in his haste, I think I will uncover a turkey leg under a blanket in like three weeks. And we'll be like, what is that It's like it's fallen out. He was watching. There was too much happening at once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the crime is that he didn't, he didn't stand there and go through the things and then yeah, check the receipt. didn't say, because, hey, there's supposed to be three ooh, of these. Actually, do you have a receipt? Because also, if ever they can't do it, aren't they supposed to go like, oh, you have a substitute. Instead of that turkey leg, you've got a tin of spam or something. It was definitely a not a substitute. The only substitute was I was I always make my own stuffing. But this year I'm like sad ass Thanksgiving. I bought sad ass prepackaged <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> And then they had to replace like to call it. it stuffing. Oh no! Yeah, they yeah. had to replace really it with a worse. I... They replaced it with a worse flavor. Like I would, I'm just, it's just the sad. Well, what flavor is it, Taylor? Because you're right. Like the, you know, like the sage and onion, right? That's the classic. Yeah. Classic. And then there's always the weird one, which is like, oh, I don't know. This is cranberry, orange, and oh, chestnut, mm. and it's like no. three things that are not it's too sweet. Yeah, too sweet. So, yeah, that's anyway disapproval from everybody. Well, okay, so does the receipt say three turkey legs? That's a good question, Katie. I'm going to look into that, and I guess we'll update people on the socials. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, when it starts smelling, you'll find it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, well, I feel like we solved that. Thanks, guys. 
So we have just enough time left on the podcast. Ask Pippa Evans, what are you up to? Where can we find you? What do you want to plug? Uh, well, you can follow me on all social medias at, at I am Pippa Evans. And the most exciting thing I've done is written a book. Cool. Improv Your Life. Hey, ah! come on. An improviser's guide to embracing whatever life throws at you. Nice. Uh, and that comes out in February. But you can pre-order it. Please do order it or pre-order it and let improvisation teach you how to get through the day. Awesome. <laughs> oh, are you, I love are you that. doing a audio book of it as well? I am. I'm doing an audio book as well. Oh, yeah. cool. Nice. Just because I love that. Like, I just love the way you say things. It just really makes me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I definitely listen to audio books because I just like the way someone like speaks. I can be not interested in it. Like, you know, it's going to be like, fun. Yeah, just funny and like, okay, cool. So there's audio book. There's actual book book, actual and they're book. all coming out at the same book. time in February. Nice. In February, yes. So oh, awesome. please do. Please buy it. <laughs> nice. There are so many principles um, of improv, though, that you can apply. I mean, at the very basic level, I really try to teach my seven-year-old just yes and because she's like no but on everything. And I'm like, let me yes. let me tell you what mommy used to do at night in New York City. <laughs> so, but it's just such a positive. It's great. I love the whole philosophy. So I am pre-ordering that. Yes, yeah, please. Yes, please. Yes. No, I think it's really helpful. And I, and I teach workshops as well oh, cool. uh, with that principle. So because a lot of improv workshops are aimed at people that want to become performers or do performing. Um, and I just noticed there was a lot of people not doing them because they were worried they had to do a showcase at the uh, end, yeah. come, like join a house team or something yeah. like that. Uh, and so it really is aimed at people coming who want to learn improv but don't particularly want to perform. Okay. Yeah. Some people then then do the course and then go, oh, actually, actually, oh, it's given me a bit of a, I would do want to get on stage, which yeah. is a great thing. Huh. Um, yeah. But also probably about 50-50 people go, oh, no, this has just been really helpful. So that's, that's really great. Interesting. That's the kind brilliant. of the no yeah. pressure fun kind of just like frees people. Yeah, definitely. Because because I think improv's become so popular as a way to get into comedy, and it is a brilliant way to get into comedy. It's so helpful with writing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but but I really do think I, I think of it like a, as an add-on skill. So you could literally add it on to any job you're doing, any 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 situation you're in, you can have those principles in yeah. your mind and it will just help you. It's almost like a language to just see things through. Yes. Um, so that you can go, oh, this oh, I can see what's happening here. Yeah, Interesting. In is your entire mm. book written in the gibberish we talked about earlier? <laughs> it's going to be difficult. entirely gibberish, but you'll know what I mean. <laughs> I think I, I mean, I listened to the whole audio book. It was 10 hours. But I feel like, yes, I am. It was so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing left to do right now is to thank the fantastic Pippa Evans. Thank Yay! you, Pippa Evans. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman. Music by The Lion and the Wolf. If you would like to, you can follow us on Drunk Women Pod on Twitter. On Facebook and Insta, we are Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you have a crime that you would like us to solve, write it on a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you to ACAS and thank you for listening. Bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.